After a decade of budget and workforce cuts, the IRS now says it has limited manpower to go after tax cheats. That means the tax gap between what taxpayers owe and what the agency collects is starting to grow. But a bigger budget for the agency doesn't mean it can bring on new employees as quickly as it would like. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has the latest. And Jory, let's start with the tax gap itself for a government running a $1.7 trillion deficit for the first half alone. How much has that tax gap grown? We won't know for certain until next year when the IRS does officially release its updated tax gap estimate, but we have a pretty good idea of where things are going. IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick last week told the Senate Finance Committee that the figure has more than likely doubled since the last time the agency calculated it. It's coming in or near $1 trillion annually, and that's compared to $441 billion that the agency estimated for tax years 2011 through 2013. As for an explanation for that, Reddick said that, that Reddick said that cuts to the agency's enforcement operations mean means that it has you know fewer cops on the beat to go after people who are not fully disclosing their income. And there's a couple other things in the mix here. Reddick said that there's a rise in cryptocurrency and the agency hasn't been current on that. But he said at the end of the day, it just comes down to a simple resources issue. The IRS absolutely needs more resources across all lanes of the Internal Revenue Service. And, um, you know, we do get outgunned. I mean, there's no other way to say it. We, we are using our resources. I'm confident and I can assure you We're using our resources to the absolute best of our ability. It is not a dedication or a people issue. It's a numbers issue. And that's Chuck Reddick, the commissioner of the IRS, pleading for a lot of help, I guess, not just money, but some sort of operational flexibility to get people in quickly. What about that workforce, Jory? What kind of shape is it actually in now? When you zoom out, it's been a critical concern for the agency for a while, but All the more important when you consider that the agency is being asked to do more and more now than ever. To give you a sense of where things stand, the agency has 33,000 fewer employees than what it had in 2010, and it's really spread thin in all directions now. It's not just any one department, and it's especially spread thin when you consider that Congress has dropped so many more deliverables for the agency to do in the middle of the filing season. That includes expanded child tax credits that by this summer will equate to monthly payments for some households. It also includes tax exemption for unemployment benefits to a certain extent, as well as the IRS still sending out these economic impact payments that are worth, at this point, hundreds of billions of dollars. So the agency has no shortage of things to do. But Circling back to the enforcement side of things, Reddick said that the agency has 17,000 fewer enforcement personnel than it did a decade ago. So think of it this way, at least half of its workforce cuts have come from the enforcement side of the agency. What's really striking here is that even if the agency did get a significantly higher budget from Congress in 2022, Reddick said that it would take years for the IRS to fully train those new enforcement personnel. And that this is not something that's going to get fixed overnight. It will take time for the IRS to overcome the challenges of the past decade, and the agency will continue to struggle to replace workers lost through attrition and to expand our workforce and support implementation of our multi-year integrated business modernization plan. 
as designed. And this is always something of a political issue. I remember back in the campaign, it must have been 1988, Michael Dukakis said, well, we're going to get some more people in the IRS and go after the tax money we're not collecting, and we can close a lot of the budget gaps of the era without changing the tax code. And I remember George H.W. Bush said, well, we don't want a bunch of people harassing everyone from the IRS, which was you know, popular to sound. But yet here we are all these years later, and all this money is left on the table under the existing tax rates that we have in a Congress looking to raise taxes, possibly, to fill some of these gaps and a trillion dollars on the table. That would really change the picture if they could get it. So any sign that the IRS is going to get a bigger budget. There are at least some early signs from the Biden administration. President Joe Biden recently released his fiscal 2022 budget for at least discretionary spending. And in that request, he would plan to increase the IRS's budget by more than 10 percent. And this would be spread all across the agency. It would go toward customer service improvements. It would go towards the IT modernization that the agency is trying to get off the ground. Reddick did say that with an extra billion dollars, he'd be able to go out and hire 4,000 new enforcement personnel. But that even comes with some trade-offs because he would need to pull some of his more experienced tax enforcement personnel off their beat and to go train the new employees. So, you know, it, it's a tough situation no matter how you look at it. Committee Chairman Ron Wyden did say that the Biden budget proposal was a good start for the agency and just overall rehabilitating things and giving the agency more resources to go after tax cheats. And as you mentioned, Jory, the IRS has gotten a lot of curveballs, including late filing seasons now for the second year in the row and also these payments and tax credits all related to the pandemic in one way or another. What about this particular filing season? How do things stand now? Do they think they're going to make it? Right. Yeah. Like you said, you know, on in an ordinary tax filing season year, uh, the deadline would have already passed by now, but this is far from an ordinary year. And the deadline is now pushed to May 17th. But this is still a going concern for the agency, and they're really swamped with their workload. Reddick said that the call volumes have more than doubled compared to previous years, and that the agency at its peak is getting 1,500 calls per second, and it just doesn't have the workforce to keep up with everything. Meanwhile, the agency website, irs.gov, has logged 1.1 billion visits this filing season, and they're still working through a backlog of tax returns from last year's filing season. It has a lot to do with its ability to process a backlog of mail that it was unable to open. Reddick said that the agency is all hands on deck with the processing in that he's implemented mandatory overtime and weekend work to help clear the backlog. That said, even with these extraordinary measures in place, he said that the backlog is going to probably get cleared around this summer and that that's the deadline that they're working on there. Meanwhile, some good news. He said that the agency is current on its inventory of mail that it needs to open. On any given week, he says there's about a million pieces of mail to open and that in any given week, the agency does open a million pieces of mail. So it's basically at a wash at this point. Yeah, sometimes we lose sight of the scale of the physical operation that the IRS has a million pieces of mail a week. Wow. Not too many love letters, though, huh? Not really, no. All right. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series Lessons in Leadership 
What we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that 
call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, led This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling. Uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.